2: It's the huddle breakdown. Enda here with you. It is Derby week. This time it is Scottish Cup semi-final coming up this Sunday. James is back with the living. James, how are you getting on? I'm surviving a nice little uh,
1: flu transition into an inner ear infection that manifested in a ruptured eardrum. So uh, I haven't had. I had tubes in my ears when I was two years old the last time I had a, an inner ear problem. So uh, having a flashback to uh, 45 years ago.
2: Well, I did my best to replace you on Tuesday, and I even brought some stats to the table. He, you should have seen it. Right he was you. throwing the stats out like this. It was like, it was like, it was like the Rangers share confetti.
3: It was stat uh, after stat uh, after stat uh, after stat.
1: Uh, I'm ashamed. <laughs> I've been uh, kind of in bed most of the time, and uh, I haven't been online much. Uh, so I, I, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't caught the episode yet. So I'll I'll have to, I've, I've kind of just shown up here and see if I can get through this. And uh, so I'll have to go back and watch that. I, I, I want to be impressed then. To- oh, yeah. just- well,
2: so, some are saying it's our best ever. Some are saying that, <laughs> well, that's you know, cruel. It's, it's cruel. It's hard to, but it, it is hard to compare, you know, generations and things like that. It's hard to compare through the years. So, I mean, who's to say I don't it doubt really it. Is. I if, do not doubt if you that. Put, if you put Tuesday's episode up against, you know, 2006's episode, who knows how it would end up, you know, that's, that's just the way it is. Um, No, look, it's a Scottish cup semi-final. It's Rangers against Celtic. We've already had a couple of games against them this season already. Celtic have the upper hand, but, and this is something that we've covered before and something that I think we probably should highlight in these, these games, because it is important to sort of remind ourselves in it. And Ange Bosticoglu said as much going into uh, this game, when he was speaking to Celtic TV this week, um, He said, it's a cup semi-final. You kind of know, irrespective of previous form, previous encounters, with the same team, it almost becomes irrelevant. So what he's saying there is, you can't really judge this based on the last two games against Rangers. It's a semi-final. It's a cup. Cup games are different. And So just want to talk through the the sort of ways that data changes when you're talking about a cup game as opposed to a league game and how we interpret and uh, analyze that.
3: Um, yeah, I mean it, whew, it, it obviously home advantage is is a thing. um you know, teams generally have a better record uh in their home matches than away um and we've had a one one of each in the last uh three three months or so uh in terms of these two teams are um, obviously a semi-finals 50-50 on a neutral ground um so you can look at you know what what are the respective teams records on that ground but you you know you're comparing different managers at different points in time different sets of players etc i mean i would i would suggest that the the most relevant comparison would be the you know the the meeting of those two these two teams under the same managers and broadly the same group of players is probably the most analytically valid uh, comparison um, but it's fun to do some of the other comparisons which are probably not quite as analytical valid but nevertheless uh, good for the you know shits and giggles as they say
2: <laughs> you were writing about Hamden and the difference in Celtics performances in Hamden and Rangers performances in Hamden. and um, how does that compare
3: what a through ball! You 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 slide them through, and, uh, and I'll tap them over the line. <laughs> so, you know, since since formation, uh, the Rangers' record at Hamden is truly appalling. It has to be said: twelve matches, one one outright victory in twelve matches, one penalties victory, ten losses. They've actually lost eight out of ten um, semi-finals, specifically at Hamden. They've only They've won two out of ten semi-finals and then lost both finals. It's a desperately bad record uh, over over the, the nine, ten-year period. So, um, and I would say there's probably more players in their team that have lost at Hamden than the Celtic team. And you sort of think, well, if you think about the likes of McGregor, Rogic, Forrest, Biton, they've been through this many, many times. They're very highly experienced. Not only have they beaten a Rangers team at... At, um, at Hamden a few times, the, you know, they've, they've won trophies. But on the other hand, you know, the you've got to say as well that Postacoglu t- has been to Hamden a semi-final against St. John's in the Hibs final. Neither game were, were blowouts, you know, they're really tight, tight matches, but the players know what it takes to win at Hamden and actually have a trophy at Hamden. So if you add up all that, you know, one set of players used to losing at Hamden, one set of players... Mostly don't have a great deal of experience, but have won a trophy there. And then you look at think about the overall records. If you are using that as your criteria, and as I say, I'm not sure it's that analytically um, robust. But hey, it's great fun to talk about it. Um, you know, then you, you'd only be looking one way. But as I say, how, how, how significant is that? Probably not, not massively.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, it's more psychological than anything, I'd imagine. I mean, if you talk to, I mean, it's, I'm not saying this is all players, but if you talk to. A lot of players they use visualization techniques, and uh, when they're building up to a game, where they just picture themselves playing that pass or playing the through ball, or if they get a chance here, some players are completely daft and don't don't think about these things. But a lot of you'll find a lot of the big players do, um, and just having the idea of walking up those stairs, knowing what it looks like, you know, getting the trophy in your hands in that stadium, knowing what it feels like. Uh, these things can actually play a little bit of a role, not yeah. majorly, but sometimes they can. Sorry,
3: I should sorry just before you get into that, I should, I should have I should yeah. have balanced that up with you know what is Celtic's record over that same period, and it is is fantastic. I mean they've they've only lost two matches, at in outright as in not gone to penalties, and that was in Neil Lennon's time, and that was against Ross County and and Inverness uh, Cali Thistle. So in the in their years since then, it's been twenty one wins and then the two draws. One against the Rangers, which they lost on penalties, one against Hearts, which they won on penalties. So, Celtic's record at Hamden is, is like, almost like a, a home from home in recent times. It's been phenomenally successful. And semi finals, you know, they've got through 11, um, 11 out of 14 uh, since since twelve thirteen season. So, sorry, that
2: was it. No, you're right. The one thing I don't like about Hamden um, is the pitch, it always seems to be a little bit heavier grass a little bit longer than you would expect at, at Celtic Park. It just plays a little bit slower. Uh, James, in terms of this game, I know we, we didn't really get to chat to you earlier on the week after the St. Johnson game. Celtic are coming into this game full of confidence, great form. Most players are fit or at least you know 70% there. I know Giacomacchus is still a doubt for this game. Kyogo may or may not be fully match ready, but it feels like in terms of you know, form, uh, the squad depth, the position in league table. This is the strongest that Celtic have gone into a derby match. They're probably going in as favorites for the first time in about two years. Yeah, I I would agree with all of those
1: characterizations, which I I think to Alan's point, um, when you take the totality of uh, all the factors, uh, I, I think that makes Celtic a solid favorite. But in this kind of game with uh, two teams of let, let's call it in the same neighborhood as far as level, um, you know, that that swings you from 50-50 to like maybe 58-42, right? So it's still going to be um, a, a lot of potential variance in, in the single game um, that could swing things uh, quite startlingly. Uh, depending on how things break and that kind of thing. Uh, But yeah, I mean, as far as general confidence going into this kind of game, I'd agree that this is uh, about as high as as we've had um, in in
2: quite some time. Mm. So one of the things that me and Alan sort of touched on um, on Tuesday's podcast, it was very briefly though, is the type of game plan Celtic are going to play. So I mean, earlier on the season, we saw the blitz, they started really quickly, high press, high intensity, hounding the Rangers players, trying to get the ball back quickly and get on the attack from there, almost their final third. Then the game at Ibrox was a little bit more defensive, a little bit more, not, not so much cagey, but compact would be a better word to describe what it was. Um, can you see Celtic doing anything different in this game now? Is setting up any differently or coming up with something new?
1: My, my guess is that this could be a rip snorter, uh, um, meaning that, Because it is a cup game, um, let's call it the relative posture where Rangers are probably going to be coming from, Uh, the fact that it's going to be a 50-50 kind of crowd, which, I mean, I can't even imagine what the energy is going to be like in the stadium. Um, And I I, I don't think uh, Ange has to be as – meaning that if you're going to like shade things on a tendency basis – the 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 incentives for being a little bit more pragmatic in this environment is quite different than what they were at Ibrooks given the importance of that game relative to the league race, um, so I, I could see it being more of a, an aggressive uh, posture uh, because again we've have had a full week of rest uh, a, a deep squad now so there's there's a lot of reasons why we would swing towards being more aggressive, I think. Um, and I think Rangers will probably also be to a degree. They have some different factors because they're playing today, obviously. And, you know, how that game turns out may, may have some kind of impact relative to, you know, if they pick up any injuries or um, how much they're able to rotate, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I could see this being two teams really coming out of the gates really, really aggressively. And, and it being, uh, you know, it, it, as I like to joke, kind of kind of uh, Hagler Hearns um, at the beginning of the game in, in where they really are going after each other.
0: Mm.
2: One of the key factors, I guess, in how Celtic are going to play is what the front three is going to look like. So Jack Makis obviously pulled up against St. Johnson at the weekend. Disappointingly, you know, he's just in great form. Kyogo coming off the bench in that game, but by the sounds of what Postacoglu was saying in the the aftermath of St. Johnson, um, it doesn't sound like he ready to start or it doesn't sound like he's going to start in this game. So you're imagining probably Jota, Maeda and Abada with Abada playing more centrally than uh, the rest of them or at least intertwining the rest of them. Alan, what does that do to the front line? What do Celtic do differently with Abada on the pitch as opposed to Giacomacca or Kyogo?
3: Yep. So, uh, yeah, so I'd agree with that. I don't think there's any strong likelihood that Kyogo would be risked from the start. It just seems very unlikely, really, with 16 minutes under his belt. Um, so I think, I think to James' point, I think Celtic will want to be as aggressive as they can be. Um, and what we've seen over the last few weeks with Giacomacus uh, cementing a place in the team is, is he's just added to that, in, that, that defensive, defending from the front intensity, you know he's he's been matching, if not exceeding, in some games the the pressing and counter pressing that that Maeda does naturally, um, and and Jota has been you know again stepping up in that. So I think Jack would actually be a really big miss uh, if he didn't play, and I don't I don't think Abada has has got that um, uh, intensity in in the in the press that uh Giacomacos has or Maeda has or even possibly Jota. Um, But having said that, he came on and was tremendously influential, as were all the substitutes uh, against St. Johnson. So um, it's not like he's coming on in bad form or or completely out of touch. Um, But I just think we'd lose that little bit bit of of pressing intensity. And I think he'd want to be on the front foot because, to, to James's point, they're playing a very attacking side tonight in Braga. not not, they don't play similar to Celtic but similar in in intent in that they want to go at you and they want to come at you from different angles it's going to be much the same challenge Um, and they'll have to play their strongest team tonight to counter that sort of attacking outfit now what they have been doing in recent weeks is they have been rotating and resting players so you know for St Mirren some players came in some players came out Um, and they won't be able to do that because they're going to have to put their best team on the park on on Sunday, which will probably be the same eleven players, ideally for them, I'd imagine the same eleven players that start uh, tonight, and, and and they're not used to doing that, and and playing a high energy, high high pressing game. So I think I think all, uh, you know, all all of the environmental factors, if you like, in terms of preparation time, um, state of squad fitness, exactly point to exactly as James said, Celtic being very much on the front foot, and then it's you know that that's the smart way to play. I just think. We're going to be a little bit less effective if Giacomacos doesn't uh, make it in that regard. But on the other hand, you know, Abada, he's played against them already. He scored a great goal, you know, uh, in, in the in 3 0 game. Uh, he came on at the weekend and looked super, super sharp. He seems to be more attacking, more aggressive in his attacking than he was when he first joined. And by that, I mean, he's He's more um, willing to take players on and drive defenders into the box. Even if he isn't trying a trick, he's he's playing at a greater pace and intensity, I would suggest. Uh, so his attacking mm. output would, would be very effective. I just As I said, it's just that le- le- slightly less pressures and, and uh, counter-pressing.
2: Yeah, James, we spoke about this with Abada before. We almost did a, a full episode on him, focusing on him. One of his great strengths is, is movement and, and popping up in the box in the right place at the right time. but one of his weaknesses is probably you know dribbling and getting a ball and taking it pass someone and having the strength and physicality to do that. If you're playing a batter through the middle, are you eliminating sort of the the downside of his game and almost highlighting the good good parts of his game? What does he bring as a central player?
1: Yeah, I, I think maybe on the margins that could be the case in attack. I think that the question is going to be um, h- how does the front three and how they're configured relate to the defending from the front. So that's one of the things that's really started to ramp up, I think, um, since the the end of the – or I should say since the winter break. Um, and obviously Maeda's made a huge uh, impact there, but also Jack Amakis's, um I, I would say development in that um, situation where he's, he's, I think gotten better in, in, in improving, working with Maeda and, and Jota for the most part. So if that's disrupted, um, I think there's a good question. Cause Maeda's really been starting to impact games from the left and that kind of inverted forward role. Uh, so is he the one that's moved inside or do you put a through the middle? in this kind of game when he, you know, as much as we kind of like the idea conceptually and that it worked out really well that one time, <laughs> um, is this the kind of game where you're going to do that? And if not, then, um, I, I, I just, I, I would get concerned then about who the midfield selection is and, um, how the, you know, all the pieces kind of fit together again. We kind of get back into some of these conversations that we've had all season relative uh, to European competition transitions and space and all this other stuff. Whereas you have a bottom wide and you get these situations where, you know, when he's on the ball, there's more tendency of giving the ball away, uh, whether a poorly timed or placed pass or, you know, uh, gets dispossessed in possession. And if you've got, let's say Rogic over there in that, half space versus let's say O'Reilly, you know, it's those fine margins where all of a sudden now we start getting some of these kind of connecting the dots issues that could emerge. So I, that's, I think for Celtic, that's probably the most interesting question. Um, the, the one thing I, I'll say is I'm probably a little more cynical when it comes to believing that uh, Kyoko's is definitely not starting. I mean, I think that's probably likely. Um, but I could also see a KG, um, narrative being used to, to put a, uh, an opponent off balance a little bit. I could see that. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's what's happening. Um, and, and to, honestly, I'd be, I'd probably prefer them being conservative with him in his recovery. Uh, it's just, I wouldn't rule out that, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to progress him to playing 45 minutes, even, or an hour, you know, the idea that he would do that at the beginning, I don't think is, is crazy. Um, but yeah, it, l- assuming that Kyogo isn't going to be starting and Jackamakis G- is not available, I think that's going to be the big interesting question. Is Maeda on the left or is Maeda in the middle? Mm. Um, and
2: my guess is it'll be Maeda in the middle. Um, so Th- that would make more sense to me from a physicality standpoint, in the sense of I, I know Celtic aren't a crossing team uh, per se. But if you're talking uh, Barisic and uh, Goldson, Abada is, and uh, I don't know I'm, I'm almost putting the fact that he's 19 onto this. He's is a young 19 year old kid with not a lot of upper body strength, not all that much pace. I don't think he's harrying the centre backs of Rangers as much as Maeda would, or putting them under as much pressure, or putting a little bit of fear into them. I guess I would be more comfortable on the ball as a Rangers player with a batter running at me because I know I can just hold them off. Whereas I don't think you get that with me. I think there is a little bit more fear. So you might, you know, force them to play the pass, you know, a second earlier than they normally would.
1: Yeah. And I, for, for me, probably the most interesting aspect, and we, we saw uh, potential for this. It just didn't quite come off and, there, you know, could have been a penalty awarded for one of them. But uh, we, we saw even in the first game at Ibrooks Uh, the one nil defeat, where um, we actually talked after that game about the unexpected importance and value of McCrory and goal for them that game, because he was able to close space on those through balls and and basically defend and prevent opportunities. Um, And we saw uh, a a couple of weeks ago where um, McGregor's uh, less (laughs) influential movement in that regard uh, resulted in this that gap and the space being available for, and Maeda running onto them, so that to me is probably uh, going to be another huge opportunity uh, for for Celtic to play those kind of through balls or from deep uh, and Maeda making those runs off the shot. Now the nice part with him is that he can play, he can do that from the left. That's and that's why you know again the dream scenario is you get Kyogo in too because then they can interchange and. You know, you got two of these guys making these kind of runs playing off of each other and and Kyogo dropping deep at times like he did in that brief stint. I mean, it's just that that's the uh, the the orgasmic uh, uh, hypothesis that we want to see play out eventually, if not Sunday. Um, But, yeah, that to me is going to be a huge part of this game potentially. And and you know when we talk about variance and error bars, to me that's a big potential one where you could get a red card. You could you know McGregor's so error prone anyway, and he's just been such a bomb scare this season um, that I you know that's the kind of scenario where you could see just that split second finally breaking in uh, in a in a uh, comedic way for in our in our uh, in our
2: benefit. Yeah, that's assuming you have a referee that's going to send mcgregor off for anything other than oh yeah you know, stabbing oh, there. I, when
1: i say breaking our draft meaning that one where he completely like kung fu's somebody just misses the
2: ball yeah.
1: Ah, yeah just clean somebody out where it's almost impossible not to grant it um so that that's uh, that the laughable part that's the one that i'm thinking is
3: potentially there <laughs> I mean, that, that the risk of that for them increases with Abada and the team versus Um the, the other slight downs, downside um, to, Jack, to Giacomacchus not playing is that if, if they if they once again go man for man and press quite high against Celtic and we go a little bit more direct, then obviously you just lose that physicality in terms of fighting for those direct balls. But on the other hand, you know, you get in behind. <laughs> You've got some frightening pace uh, really uh, to, to to hit. And just just, just just a little aside, actually I was just checking as you were talking, if you wanted to if you wanted to put together a sort of toxic combination, let's call it, of people on one side of the pitch who have a tendency to lose the ball and be dispossessed, then it would actually be Rogic and Jota, not Rogic and Abada. Abada gets dispossessed slightly less than, than Jota does, but then um, and that's per ninety minutes, but then Jota's having a lot more possession of the ball than Abada.
2: Right. And he's more of a dribbler Not a lot well, of More yeah, of a yeah. he he likes to he likes to try to go past someone with a few stepovers. and in terms of the midfield, then Alan, this is one thing mm. that you very cleverly highlighted in the review of the last RB was how far Tom Rogick pushed up, and it was almost like a 4 2 4 in the counter press. do you think Celtic are gonna go for that again? Or are we gonna try do they do the same thing in terms of putting their defenders under pressure? So yeah, I mean, it, I was just thinking about
3: that as you were, we were talking, actually, it was wonderful to do the same. I mean, again, my interpretation of why Celtic did that was to, to avoid uh, them getting the ball into Jack and Lundström, who are very good at then building the play from those deep, deeper positions. You know, their passing through the lines is good. Their ability to find players with slightly longer, more direct passes is, is, is decent. So it was to really stop their deep deep playmaking uh, and cut it off its source. So I think that was pretty much effective because what, what it really did was that it made Bassi and Taverni the playmakers, which, you know, actually Taverni did, uh, Bassi did particularly well, played 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 a really good game, but he was given a lot of the ball almost by design. Um, so it's really whether they, if they do go with a similar midfield that actually do, do Celtic then set up in a similar way. And as, as James pointed out, the risk is then that, you know you it is 4-2-4 and there are gaps in that midfield because of that so it, it can be it can be a, a, a risky game doing that um but on the, on the other hand you know if you've got you have we have celtic do have a pace advantage across most of the pitch to be fair um so maybe maybe it's a, a, a risk worth taking And it and it, and it, and it paid it, it paid off eventually at, at ibrox we did concede a goal with Rogic too far up the pitch for my liking should have been back in that number eight position in shape and wasn't a huge gap, we didn't cover it, et cetera, so uh, yeah, there are risks to that, but I suspect if it's the same formation the same two two pivots in midfield for them, I suspect they'll, they'll probably do do something similar
2: mm. which brings me along to again the <laughs> the recurrent theme of these sort of conversations now that we have players to um to talk about in different positions, Matt O'Reilly or Tom Ra James. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still going to, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to double down.
1: Um, I'm, I'm still in the O'Reilly camp. Um, I think a lot of what Rogic has been offering, um, and he's been excellent has been, uh, benefiting from the system, meaning that he's been to his credit, he's been finding those pockets of space, um, but, but he's actually not been doing a whole lot with it creatively. So he's, he's scored some goals. Um, but I, I suspect if in this similar setup against similar opponents in the same similar games, O'Reilly would also thrive in in the, that style of play, in that system against those opponents. Um, so to, to me, again, the, the big variable for O'Reilly is that just killer pass that he seems to be capable of and um you know Rogic has been less of that um in recent times uh, than than he had been in the past i would say um and just on the margin i think from an athleticism perspective i i'd probably shade it to O'Reilly yeah. Um, but again, can I, the, can I just this, this, is, lux- this for- is a luxury to be, you know, this is these are not uh, huge differences that we're talking about here. So it's definitely a preference rather than, you know, going down with the Titanic type of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um, no, this isn't this is just to play devil's advocate again. Uh, but again, we're not saying one is better than the other per se. But let's say uh, Tom Rodgick is uh, 24 and not the age that he actually is. If you're looking just purely on his numbers uh, basis and what he's produced in these games, take the perception of his age out of it. Does that impact your decision on whether Matt O'Reilly should start over Tom Rodgick? No, not for me. <coughs> I, I mean, I that might
1: shade the athletic part a little bit, but again, I, I just, I actually, I, I, I'm gonna fl- flatter uh, uh, Alan here. I, I think O'Reilly is the better player right now. Um, and I think he does more, I think. Um, now, again, I, I th- the one part about that where I would maybe shade it to Rogic, and we talked about that after the way that and utilized that position in the last Derby, <clears throat> was if you're going to have him more in that pseudo-10, like right in the box, uh, where that close control, you know, tight pockets of space where being able to navigate in there, if that's the priority, that's where... the Uh, the manager wants that player playing then yes I think Rogic is the specific person for that role Um, but outside of that I I, I actually have a you know I think O'Reilly is the better player overall
2: Mm -hmm. and just finally on this conversation Alan the um, sort of intangible quality that we mentioned earlier on the show Tom Rogic has been there done that he scored a absolutely huge goal for Celtic in Hamden to win a cup. Um, does that play into the decision making of whether he should start? Because it's sort of the one it's sort of these weird things where you've got a young player like Matt O'Reilly clearly really talented and he doesn't have experience at this level, but how does he have experience? how does he get experience unless you actually put him in in this type of game at the same time? So experience that Tom Rodgick has versus the quality of football Matt O'Reilly has without the experience.
3: Yep, I'm sure. Again, like we talked about at the beginning of the game, you know, you can talk about all these different factors, but which ones are the most material? Um, and you know, it's probably the the form that the players are in at the time uh, and, and how they're how they're presenting in training. As 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 Andy says, um, again, I, gr- I agree with James. If you look at their defensive numbers, and you know, Rogic has got nearly double the defensive action.
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash
3: switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: The success rate of Rogich. O'Reilly's got nearly double the defensive action success rate, Rogich, and also double the um, percentage of times he wins the ball back through his through defensive actions. It's it's, it's, it's the night and day as far as defensive um, metrics. In attack, Rogic is, is on, I think it's 0.73 expected goals and assists per 90, and O'Reilly is 0.67. So there's really not a lot in that. So if you were just going to pick purely based on numbers, you'd pick O'Reilly for his... Defensive capabilities, because you're getting pretty much the same offensive output. But obviously, as you said, it's there are other factors to weigh up. And Rogic's experience is—he's clearly comfortable. and doesn't get worried or stressed playing against this opponent. Um, you know, he's comfortable with you. He will be comfortable with the occasion. But then again, if you go back to and, and actually has—you'd think—I also ask the question: Has Rogic done anything to deserve? Being dropped because that's effectively what you'd be doing, and that and, and you'd probably say no. I mean, Rogic wasn't particularly effective in the first half against St. Johnson. O'Reilly was sensational when he came on. D- does that warrant Rogic being dropped from a team that started the game and was three 0 up at half time? I suspect it won't. So, I, I think Apostokoglou you know will pick, pick Rogic, but if you put O'Reilly in, I'd be happy as well.
2: So mm. yeah, as I say, happy yeah, I... happy happy problem. I saw a clip from Matt O'Reilly in the press conference after the St. Johnson game asked about what the scenario is where Pascoglu tells him that he's on the bench or not playing or why he's not involved. And he was very straightforward about it. He said that, you know, he knows very early on in the week that he's not going to be starting in the game and that and you know they have individual meetings. He tells them, Here's why you're not here's why you're on the bench, here's where we see your role being very laid out so i think and whatever way he does it he'll it seems to be working it seems to be managed in situation quite well because while it is good to have competitive players in each position it can also lead to some tension as well so whatever way it's working it seems to be working well so far in terms of the opposition then and what they're going to do against us if i were managing rangers and i know there's a very basic uh it's a very basic problem. There's <laughs> uh, a, a very
3: fundamental problem with that. Problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This doesn't happen in, in those. This doesn't happen in those S sessions you have, does it, no. <laughs> yeah. Anda? It's called, it's, called, it's
2: called the Jimmy Vail <laughs> conundrum. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not exactly a complicated It's not a complicated game. In a very basic way, I would be looking to stop Celtics midfield. Because that's where things, that's where we create things. So, to stop Tom Rogic if it's, if it's Tom Rogic stop Man O'Reilly, flood the midfield, and try interrupt the game plan as much as possible. Almost do what Atletico Madrid were trying to do against Man City. Just frustrate the hell out of this Celtic team. Try rile them up, try annoy them, niggle at them, get on the ball, foul them, kick them off the ball. Do whatever you can to to interrupt their game plan, interrupt their flow. Rangers haven't done that so far this season. Are they going to try this time?
1: From your lips? I i mean, that, that's part of the fun of this, <laughs> playing this Rangers side, is uh, you really have no idea what you're going to get. Uh, and I'll, I'll tee you up here, Alan, about your analogy, because I think it's a great one, and, and I agree with you 100%.
3: Yeah, I mean, listen. What you described was potentially a way a Rangers team would have played in the nineteen seventies and eighties, and indeed nineties. Actually, in terms of you know the, the physical aspect of the game, and not so much really detected that style of play in this group of players. I mean, I think you've got let's call them um, people who are culturally at home at Ibrox, like Jack and Arfield, that are probably capable of. Mm. Playing in that way, but I don't think the rest. Of the, I mean, Lundstrom's pretty no, robust. there's, but I don't, there's I don't no, think there's, there's no a Larry lot of
2: Ferguson the, in this team. You know, yeah, there's no Alex
3: Ray or uh, you know, well, we can go on forever, can't we? You know, but um, yeah, there's, there's, no, there's <laughs> yeah, there's there's no Terry Herlock or uh, Gary Stephen or oh, I'll just go on and on and on. But anyway, the yeah, so so no, isn't that? I don't think they're that kind of team. Their 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 robustness has come generally through being well organized. And and a, and a midfield that, if you, a midfield of, of a younger Stephen Davis and, Aribo and a Rebo and a Camara was a really nice blend of um, athleticism, power, dribbling ability, uh, and just enough passing ability to get the ball to the forwards. Probably, again, a little bit, not too much creativity, but a lot of other positives there. And just being very organized and tight and difficult to break down. But he doesn't seem to want to go down that road. And if he's going to play the two pivots, who who are you know good passes of the ball, but not terribly mobile around the pitch, and then Ramsey, then you got just so much space there, and 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 they're not going to get much in the way of def- you know defensive solidity from that 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 uh, that threesome. But that that was that was their uh, first pick, um, you know, in the in the last derby, and it'll be interesting to see if that's their first pick uh, tonight as well, because it seems that your know, Ramsey's. You know, being, being prepped, didn't play, I don't think, against St Marin. so he's being prepped to, to play in this game. So, yeah, and, you know, Ramsey's a very skillful player, picks up great positions, got that little bit of creativity that, that perhaps the rest of the players lack. But in terms of, you know, <laughs> counter pressing and defensive solidity and getting back into shape, it's not really his thing.
2: Mm. You're a great man for risk, James. So what's the risk in this, this game?
1: I would be most worried, I think, as I've mentioned before, if they optimized for speed in their – let's call it their front four um, at at the number nine position, the two wingers, and then if they're going to play that kind of 10 role. Um, So, again, just hypothetically, if it was something like a rebo at the 10 uh, with Sakala as the striker and uh, Kent and maybe – I mean, Scott Wright showed up again, and I'm not saying him, but, uh, you know, that he would lean more towards um, the amount of pace up front that would make me more nervous relative to us playing that high line um, and them getting in behind us and, um, you know, being able to carry the ball and beat our players in that kind of our back four. Um, And you would have the athleticism of a rebo to basically sit in McGregor's pocket. Right, so it would be that type of um, front four. Uh, you know, some mix of that. Maybe, maybe they stick with Roof because Roof's a decent striker when it comes to pressing. Uh, he's not as athletic to get behind, so maybe Sakala out right, but this arebo out right with, you know, Ramsey at the ten with that those two pivots. Yeah, I, that that's that's not a setup that um, has me quaking. It doesn't mean that it can't you know, as I talked about after the last game, I mean, there, there were opportunities to be had there that I mean, Ramsey just creatively was putrid in the game I and mean, he just, he did not, he had opportunities in space at times and just was terrible. Um, yeah. So maybe in a different day, he makes the great passes that we've seen him make before um, in other settings, hopefully not, but um, you know, but that, see, that, to me that's the upside is that that's the, the Hagler-Hearns analogy, you know, that's like a 3-3, three, 4-3 three, three kind of game potentially, where if they do have some of that, um, I, I I don't see that lineup completely, especially if they're going to play aggressive. I don't see how they can stifle us uh, in transition and us not getting in behind and that kind of thing. So that's the, the, the knock them out um, kind of scenario. Uh, whereas I think, you know, if they were to optimize for that press and the speed and the transition that would make me more nervous
2: you're talking about uh, Aaron ramsey who is on form the best player in scotland don't you know <laughs> ever probably where, where 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 that statement came from i don't know i mean complete watching a complete different league um unanswerable questions going into this game which team is fitter if it goes to extra time um i my bet is on celtic
3: yeah, I, I would You'd think so. I mean, the you know, the players, again, just the, the week's rest on its own. Uh, you know, there's a good, there's, there, you know, especially without with the new away goals rule um, and, and a one goal deficit, the chances of the game tonight going into extra time are reasonable, I would have thought. Maybe, maybe I don't know, 20, 30%, maybe. I don't know, I'm not a betting person, but how they work these things out. But, you know, and that, that would have an impact. And as I say, I I, I genuinely think they'll, have to play the ideally they'll have to play the same 11 in both games they've not been doing that too much and having those two intense games together they've been rotating a little bit to avoid that so i think that could that could be a big a big uh a big factor um you know to your, to your question before to james around you know, where's the risk it comes back to me about this volatility because if i go through the stats the form you know the 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 history the the individual players where they are where the managers are etc you, 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 you know I don't, you, hopefully people that are watching or listening know that we we don't try and be complacent on this show but you, you've got to consider Celtic to be such strong favourites just because of the cohesion and the way that we're playing and the the trust that the the players have in the way that they're playing but what what the, what they have got increasingly under post, under Van Bronckhorst is just this volatility. Of performance that we talked about, and you know, are you going to get the Rangers that played against Borussia Dortmund, or are you going to get the one that you know was very incoherent against Celtic, didn't get a shot on target in Braga, you know, struggled mm. to break down Motherwell, Aberdeen mm. at home? Well, I think I might have just, just on that, my Alan, question Alan. sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah,
2: sorry to interrupt you. Just on that, right? Ignore the Dortmund game. Take the Dortmund game out of it. The Dortmund game right. doesn't happen. Okay. How's their form?
3: Again, they're, they're capable of decent peaks when they're playing at St. Mirren,
2: mm.
3: and and this is this is what you know. I, I wrote about this in the week. It, this has echoes of Lennon. Okay, Lennon's team could turn up and absolutely trounce teams, yeah, but but equally um, they we could then lose one nil to Livingston the next the next week, and that's kind of if you look at their xG differential, the difference between expected goals for and expected goals against, there is huge volatility now in their performances and that's exactly what celtic looked like under lennon and what and what um and what uh, the rangers looked like under gerard was a very consistent xg differential as as in their performances were repeatable and there was a decent differential there in terms of you know there was enough gap between expected goals for and expected goals against that they could absorb quite a bit of you know negative variance whereas with celtic it was the opposite and now we're at a stage where Postacoglu is almost having seeing. Two goals difference, expected goals difference between for and against in a game, and you can absorb, you can absorb a dodgy penalty, you can absorb a fluky goal from forty yards in in that scenario. But if your expected goals differentials is like Rangers and it's down to sort of 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 per game, then you know that's not so difficult to, that's not so easy, sorry, to absorb. So that variability in performance is it, it, it has some risk to it, but also highlights the lack of cohesion that they they that they're producing in their performances at the moment mm. and consistency yeah, I, it comes I, I, down to consistency is what I'm talking about
0: yeah
2: it definitely does and I, I think that that Dortmund game the reason I'm saying take it out of it is because it's almost per- perceived as if because they got that result that's their level and it's not mm. I mean Celtics result against Barcelona in 2012 unbelievable result That's not Celtics level. That wasn't Celtics level that year. They pulled off a massive, massive result. And I think Rangers caught Dortmund on the hop. That doesn't mean they're as good as uh, Dortmund are. And over the course of the season, they would finish second Bundesliga. You know, I I watched them against Dundee. They were awful against Dundee. That doesn't mean that that's their level. It just means that I think their level is a little bit closer to what it was in their win against Dundee than it was against in their win against uh, Dortmund. So, uh, yeah Santa i think they're a more consistent team in the league sorry
3: uh, sorry and if you look at, if you look at underlying expected goals again for their europa league campaign i think actually their expected goals against is higher than expected goals for across their europa league campaign meaning you know they've they've, they've had a good good run at it really not to say that they're not a, a very effective europa league side they are and you can't take mm. away their record in the last 3 years but um, you know, they're, they're on the right side of positive variance in the Europa League this season, but they're not seeing that so much in domestic football.
1: So I, I, um, I, I think that the, the two keepers um, encapsulate the two teams, meaning that um, I'll, I'll go back to my uh, my financial markets training. Right. So what they teach you in finance is that you'd rather have a steady three percent than a volatile three percent. Right, So on a risk-adjusted basis, smooth in three is better than choppy in three. And that's basically what you've had with McGregor versus Hart. Hart's been very steady. Uh, their overall keeper play has actually been pretty close this season. Um, but McGregor has just been very volatile, and he's very error-prone. So how that's fallen this season happens to be. And I think it explains a lot of what's happened, the disparity between how they've dropped points domestically and they've had these very good results, even on, you know, games where um, XG differentials are, aren't great in their, in their, in their favor, like against Dortmund or uh, some of the other ones um, is McGregor, his, his poor positioning has worked in his favor. Right. So there are times when a keeper can be in a bad position and the the guys taking the shot just happens to hit it in the direction of the bad position rather than going, you know, far post when the keeper leaves an acre of space. Right. So we're not talking about huge volumes and numbers here. And the way that they've just happened to fall this season is that for the most part, McGregor's bad positioning has not cost them. In and again, he's been good shot stopping across the board for the most part, other than his handling, like he dumps stuff right in the middle in the front of the goal, but actually getting to stop the shot, he's still pretty very good at it still, actually. Um, but it's those errors that he's been making in games that have fallen disproportionately in domestic games, like he we saw against us in the last derby, where he just dumped that ball unnecessarily, um, right there for Rogic to to finish. Um, so you know could he have a game where he stands on his head and on top of that our shooters happen to just you know be off a little bit um absolutely i mean that that it who knows um you know i, I think we know we'll probably get out of heart and that's the reliability factor and it fits very much with the team um whereas mcgregor is a huge wild card like i said i i Uh, It could be a red card. He gets sent off in the third minute (laughs) on a through ball or, (laughs) (laughs) right. Or, or, well, probably not, but, or, you know, he could make five or six huge saves that just happen to work out and, you know, um, that, that, you know, put them in a position to win a game that maybe they shouldn't. So Mm -hmm. I I see him as being a fulcrum potentially uh, as he has been in their season. I think he really does encapsulate this distinction between how they've done so well in Europe, and then drop so many points domestically.
2: When you said the goalkeepers encapsulate the the two teams, that was a much more nuanced and mature answer that came into your head that than came into my head. I won't rep- I won't say what came into my head, but uh, it was not a compliment towards McGregor and his looks. And um, so, look, just finishing up, I before I get the you know the wonderful predictions that you just love to do, and I, one thing that I I wanted to ask you is and again you're yes, going to love this who's your 5 penalty takers if it goes to penalties tricky
3: <laughs> goodness me
2: i know who mine's are right <sighs> uh well i mean again it depends on who's on the
1: pitch at that point um well let's let's say yeah, let's I, just say to make it I, easier for you uh,
2: Kyogo's on the pitch
1: yeah I, was, uh, yeah I i think um i'll tell you one that i would say I don't want taking it, which would probably be a surprise and annoy some people, is I do not like McGregor on penalties at all. Um, so he, he would not be one of my five. Um, but, you know, I, we, we've seen so few guys do it. So Dranovich, obviously. Kyogo, I think, would be an obvious. Um, outside of those two, I mean, it's like, okay, are they good on the ball? I would think O'Reilly would be good in that kind of situation. Um, probably Hatate. Um, you would think Jota with his quality, you, you know, on the ball, you would you would you would like him in that kind of situation. So I'll go I'll go with those five, but not, not a whole lot of conviction outside of Juranovic uh, and Kyoko. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I'll
3: it. Yeah, it's, it's those two. I, I would add Abada in because I think he's naturally a good. That's a, a good, good fin- point. A good finisher. Yeah, and uh, he seems quite quite a calm player, and uh, well, he's, yeah, he's not too excitable. I think Rhatatti a bit excitable, so you want a bit of calmness on penalties. So, yeah, Juranovic, um, Kyogo, Abada, and then probably yeah, Jota definitely, and then yeah, probably probably Maeda. Yeah,
2: I go off this: who strikes the ball the nicest? Mm. Uh, no, yeah, not so I sort of think scientific. Mm. Yeah, so I I go Juranovic obviously. I would have Cal McGregor because I know that he's missed a couple, but in this sort of scenario, I think he keeps a level head quite well. And then Matt O'Reilly, obviously, Jota, another, another one. And then finally, one that might surprise you, I would have Carter Vickers on one as well, because I think he strikes the ball nicely as well. And he's a very calm character as well. So I, yeah, don't, I don't. I don't. No, like that idea. Actually, yeah. Yeah. There's. There's no. If well, if if there's one centre back, if I had to choose between Starfeld and Carter Vickers, it's definitely. <laughs> it's definitely going to be uh, Starfelt. No. No offense, or no offense to Starfeld, but it's definitely yeah, going to be. You, uh, you know, Starfelt with Panenka. Yeah, I mean, come on. We know that's what honestly sort of what's at, up at
1: this point
3: in time. Starfelt would start is run up at the corner flag and kind it run round and like can kind of run up to it like this? But here, and here's and the over. thing, and this is
2: I mean, this is purely hypothetical and a bit messing, but it, sometimes you can look at a fender and think, God, you'd be awful at the penalty, and just, just stick it into the top corner, you know what I mean? There was a couple in the Champions League, or or the was it the when was it in the Euros, maybe where you, you saw a defender hitting it and you're like, ah, there's no, Harry Maguire, that was it. You're like, ah, there's no way. He's definitely going to send this, you know, a mile wide. Then the next thing, it's the best penalty of the entire thing. So well, maybe Kurt Sarfeld is absolutely amazing at penalties. We just don't know that. <laughs> uh, hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully it won't come to that. We will uh, win the game in uh, normal time. So that brings me on to the predictions. Who are we thinking? What are we thinking for this game?
1: I, I'll go 3-2 uh, Celtic. I, I, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go with no red card, uh, although that's my outlier bet. And, um, you know, uh, a knock them sock them out game that uh, t- t- both, both teams are a little better at uh, finishing than, than, than they've been in, in recent history. Um, so I, an open game, an attacking game, and some goals is my guess. Huh?
3: Well, well, you know the average number of goals in a game is round about three, so two one, <laughs> just on that basis.
2: <laughs> yeah. Two one to Celtic or 2-1 2-1 so.
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, they, they, as I say, they are strong favourites uh, for all the rational reasons, um, and they're kind of most of the most of the um, doubt in my mind is is for slightly irrational <laughs> reasons. So uh, yeah, I, you know, to me that, but I know football's not a rational game as we've seen. This week, in fact, so uh, that yeah. <laughs> that's uh, that's got to be added in as well. But all yeah. the all the all the factors gonna... are there. All the factors are in Celtic's favour. Really, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: I think it's going to be a cagey game. I don't. Uh, cup games are generally make me a little bit more nervous than normal games and that I think the players get a little bit more nervous as well not you won't. Uh, I don't know I think <laughs> you know human human nature is a, a crazy thing Is why we're able to talk about football matches in different ways depending on what happens uh, but I'm going to go with Celtic to win 2-0 but the second goal will come late that's my prediction for this game I, I think it's going to be a, a tight one but Celtic will edge it so that's my prediction anything else you just want to touch on before we finish up
1: I'm just looking forward to hopefully being conscious for the game 100 percent this. Yeah, best of look for that.
2: Hopefully, hopefully you're feeling better and like well enough to even just enjoy the game, let alone you know watch it. I, I
1: hope so. It'll be it'll be my best game in in three weeks. Hopefully.
3: Yeah. No. I'm I, I gen, honestly, genuinely, as I do with all of these kind of shows, is try and find what what I'm worried about and talk about that as well because you know we try and be be balanced. Um, but I, I, you know, there wasn't. I've not found a lot this week. I'm not being funny. I just genuinely been racking my brain, thinking, what am I worried about? Um, and and actually, you know, further confidence is, if you like, is gained just from the last two matches because in both of those games, you know, Celtic have built a lead in very different, in two very different circumstances, playing slightly different. One, one kind of blow them away style, and another digging out of a hole. And then asserting themselves. And then on both occasions, they've more or less a little bit by design, but a little bit because obviously naturally rangers have, have started to come forward more. Then more or less said, you know, come on then, show us what you've got. And the answer has been very little. And 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 I don't care what you say, that is in players' minds. They know they've spent 90 minutes, two two whole second halves, knocking their heads against the brick wall, trying to break down Celtic in very different ways and not being able to do that. And the players, if it if you know, the players will know that. Um, they, they'll have that that doubt, if you like, in their mind. Celtic will have that. You know, we've we've pretty much said to you, "Come on, look, my my hands are down. Have a swing. What have you got? You know, land your best punch, type of thing." I'm mm. James likes his boxing analogies, but
2: um, and I'm probably yeah, not a lot of boxing. Out, but... on the, on the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully, and I, it's it's the confidence breeds confidence as well, you know, like the the more confident you are, the more consistent you are in what you do and it's working, the more confident you go in and almost the better you are at it, so it's it's one of those things, I think Celtic are just in a better position uh, right now and hopefully that plays into the game, hopefully the, you know, weirdness of semi-finals doesn't play too much into this and it is just another day at the office for the Celtic players
3: Intensity with which the players came off I know it's Johnson I know Celtic were 3-0 up but the intensity in which players because we've seen so many games like that where Celtic actually is 3-0 and then pretty much you just kind of saunter around for 45 minutes and it finishes 3-0 but they actually went absolutely kept kept the foot down and the intensity with which the substitutes came on and played shows you that that's a squad in a good place right mm-hmm. and, you know that, that's, that is important so mentally and physically they're in a good place so it could all still go wrong. You know, Bobby Madden could have a big impact. Alan McGregor could have a big impact. Uh, so all these caveats absolutely apply. But I'd rather be I'd rather be in, in this situation
2: than than theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. We shall wait and see. We will have a review of the game on the podcast next week and a reminder that over the next couple of weeks we will be joined on the channel by a good few voices from different Celtic podcasts. They are not lined up in terms of the dates and the matches they're going to be looking at, but that will be announced uh, fairly shortly as well as we build up to the run for the title, which hopefully it will be a run for the title over the next number of weeks. Uh, James, Allen, thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the game. Yeah, thanks. Yep. Yeah, and same to everyone out there listening or watching. Enjoy the game. Hopefully, Celtic get a win. And if you want to get this podcast, as usual, it's in uh, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Just hit the red subscribe button below. You get notified every time a video goes live on the breakdown. Inc. Until then, I'm in the call, Alan Morrison, James. Thanks again. We'll chat to you later. Good luck.